Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. In Mark 6, 42, the Bible says they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed from those loaves. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, Blessed, Broken, and Miraculous. Come on, pray with me. God, thank you so much for your blessing. Thank you for the breaking, and thank you for the miracles. God, I pray today that you'd anoint me to speak on your behalf, God. Put your words in my mouth. Let us hear them in our ears and receive them in our spirit. God, I ask you to be our teacher by your spirit from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. (coughs) Blessed, broken, and miraculous. God has a way of doing things. Say way. God is a God of system. God is a God of structure. God is a God of logic. God is a God of consistency. And if you can ever start seeing patterns revealed by God, you can begin to walk in the miracles of God. But it's not until you get stepping in the right direction that you get blessed and you get to see the miracles. Now, there's a hard word in the middle of blessed and miracles on the screen. What is it? Broken. We're going to see that in a minute. But I want to see if there's enough saved people in the room. I only need need two more because that would give us three. I only need two more uh, saved people in the room who would agree with me that God's ways are always right. Amen? I, I, I need a couple of people setting the point here. I need a couple of people who would say, uh, agree with me, that God is consistent and he always stays the same. Can we agree with that this morning? So we're going to look at some structure. We're going to look at how God did things in the past because the answer to that question has been asked so much in this generation What would Jesus do? Jesus would do exactly what he did before. What would God say? He'd say exactly what he said before. That's why some of y'all have uh, great teaching stuck in your mind. Because you had good mamas, grandmamas, daddies, aunts, uncles, whatever, pastors, uh, teachers, coaches. You have the voice stuck in your head. How many of y'all know that if you listen to somebody who was trying to help you, you can still hear that voice? You don't have to call grandmama up on the phone and ask her what she thinks about it because you already know. You just have to decide, well, I guess I'm going to have it. See, here's why people seek counsel. Not because they don't know what they should do. They're trying to find somebody to co-sign on what they want to do. That's why people come to my office. People come in my office all the time. It's just wild. They come in, a parent will bring a child, and they just want me to get on their co-sign with why that child's crazy, acting foolish, and need to do what mama said. But as soon as I see something that the child did right and maybe mama could tweak on, and I say, well, well, mom, let me just, uh, we ain't here to talk about me. We're here to talk about, oh, I thought we were doing family counseling. 
Ah, okay, so you, the people want a co-signer. That's why if you had great teachers, great parents, great role models in your life, you really aren't going to call them. You're certainly not going to call your pastor who's filled with the Holy Ghost and going to tell you the truth. You're not going to call him when you're trying to negotiate foolishness in your life. Well, Pastor Scott, I was just thinking about, uh, you know, um, Quit quitting my marriage and dating around. I've had people tell me that, that God put this new person in their life while they were still married to the last person. I know that's a whole different thing. How can I be so sure of that? Because God always does stuff the same way. He's consistent. Once you know how he comes in and goes out, how he operates, then you can catch those patterns and you can put your feet in it you got to learn how see we can't create the waves in the ocean but we got to learn how to ride them god is the creator of momentum god is the creator of blessing we just got to learn his patterns so we we can get out there and get involved in what god is doing we're going to look at this text this morning out of saint mark's gospel uh this text has wrongly been called uh by everybody for centuries the feeding of the 5,000. And, and, and it's, it's obviously not the feeding of 5,000. There were more, say more. But we're going to look at it. We're going to be a little teaching this morning. So try to follow along. We're going to back all the way up to Mark 6, 34, where the Bible says, Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. Man, I, I, if, whew, I could take one verse and spend a whole morning on it but i'm going to try to get through a lot but when i say when i read jesus saw uh it just reminds me that he sees what everything you need to understand that the good that you do the prayers that you pray the tears that you've cried that you thought nobody saw god sees everything that's enough right there for the price of admission this morning god sees you he nobody even knows i was there. god knows you god sees everything that you've ever done and jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat man if i was just preaching and trying to get a, a response instead of get results I, I would remind you this morning that not only does he see everything but he'll step out from where he is right into the middle of where you are and god is a stepping out god you just got to get to the place where he can step out into your stuff anybody want him in your stuff today he stepped out from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Now, I see a lot of things in this. I see a, a, a God who sees everything. I see him willing to leave where he is to come to where we are. I see a compassionate God uh, understanding that people have needs. And I see a God who was willing to teach them many things. What did I tell you? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same thing he did for them, he wants to do for you. The big thing I want you to take away from verse 34 this morning, though, is we serve a compassionate God. Can you believe that? If you can believe that long enough, if you can keep that in the front of your mind long enough, if you can remind yourself of that long enough, you will have the opportunity to break loose from that woe is me spirit that's been holding you down. 
If you believe these simple five words deep enough, you will be able to realize in spite of it all, no matter what I see, no matter what they say, I serve a compassionate God. I've counseled too many people that felt like God hadn't given them everything they deserved. And they were mad about it. Now listen, if you're going to tell me God hadn't given you everything you deserve, you need to say that with a smile on your face. You need to say that with rejoicing. You need to say that as you write out an offering on top of the tithe that was already written out because you knew you were coming to church. When people sit back, and and I see it on their face, and I've asked people, oh, do you believe God has shortchanged you in life? Yes, he has. My brother got, my sister got, my nephew got, my neighbor got. I thought I was going to get, and it all stems from that same mindset as if God has given you the short end of the stick. I want to tell you something. He did enough for us on Calvary that if he ever, never does another thing in your life, he's already done more than we should ask for. But on top of Calvary, he's compassionate. On top of Calvary, he sees your hurt. On top of Calvary, he sees everything. And in verse 35, the Bible says, Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Man, I want to tell you something about people around ministers, people around the things of God, people getting involved in God's business. People always see the problems because people see what is temporary. So I want to ask you this morning, and you just need to own it. First step in solving a problem, identifying it, taking ownership of it, admitting that it just is what it is is. You need to just go ahead, get yourself a T-shirt, get yourself, uh, just tattoo it across your face. If you, all you tattoo want to get, folk, tattoo this across your face. Uh, I just, just, just admit it. I am a problem seer. Just go ahead and own that. People see the problems but God is the solution you would you would agree to that that's all amen means some of y'all need to loose your mouth every now and then and open up your mouth so 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 God can fill you up uh you ought to agree with the reality that if I asked you is God the solution if you had any sense you'd say yes or amen or hallelujah amen praise God all that means yes I agree if you believe God is the solution Why do you study the problem? It it ought to. I've said it more than enough already. If you believe that God is the solution, why do you spend so much time studying the problem when you should be studying the solution? Instead of looking at what's got you down, look at what can get you out. Here come his closest followers. I'm not even talking about unsaved people that don't believe in the Lord. I'm talking about people serving the Lord. I'm talking about people following God. Uh, These people, uh, they they, they saw the problem. Put verse 35 back on the screen for me, Elder. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Now, let me ask you this. Which one, now think with me, pretend we're in midweek Bible study. Think with me. We do interactive open discussion Bible study on Wednesday nights. You ought to come. Think with me. Which one of these statements do these people really think they're teaching Jesus something about? 
They, they, they think they're teaching him this is a remote place. Well, what, what does the Bible say in the very beginning of the book? In the beginning, God what? Create. He made that place. He knew where the rocks were because he put them there. He knew how many trees were there. He knew how many grains of sand and dirt in the mixture. They're not teaching him anything by saying this is a remote place. He said, and, and then they told him, and, if we ain't told you enough, Lord, and if we haven't educated you already and, and, and brought your attention to, see, we think we got to bring God's attention to stuff that's going on. How are you going to bring attention to the one who created everything? Who knows everything? Who by everything, things exist. They said, well, if, since we, uh, you, you didn't respond to that, Jesus, the way we wanted you to, so we'll, we'll help you out and give you more information. Not only is it a remote place, it's getting late. Now, they're talking to an eternal God about natural time. They're, 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 they're taking eternity to the eternal, but they're using natural minds and natural situations in the process. I want to tell you something. They were flat out stupid, and we get stuck on stupid too. You calling me stupid? Uh, you know, if the shoe fits, put salt and pepper on it. Chew on that for a minute. They are thinking that they are bringing information to God that he doesn't possess. Now, some of y'all ought to already be thinking, oh, that's me. See, if, when you can't say amen, you can at least say ouch. Uh, amen or ouch, and ouch. Some of y'all ought to already be thinking, wow, I do that myself. I'm, I'm always telling God my problems like he don't already know. I, I'm always talking to the eternal about the natural like, like he's not already in charge. I'm always being upset about the problem instead of just celebrating the solution. That, that, hey, uh, man, I, I, don't, I don't listen to a lot of modern music. I don't deal with a lot of preaching cliches. But I will tell you, there is some great truth in, in, in the chorus that says, don't wait till the party's over, shout now. You ought to celebrate in front of your deliverance because you know it's coming. Uh, the Hebrews would, would sing a chorus that says, my deliverer is coming. My deliverer, he is standing by. I want you to know that our God is a God who's already here. They're going to tell him something. Oh, excuse me, sir. Mr. Jesus, uh, high lifted up, God in the flesh. Just thought you might need to be hip to this. We're in a remote place. Oh, well, thank you for telling me that, children. Thank you for teaching me that, human beings. Thank you, thank you for bringing your slant on it. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. This is going to help you. If you don't hear anything, hear this this morning. Quit putting your twist on it and just let God be God in the middle of it. Quit putting your slice together the way you see it and, and just let God. God already knows. Now, he said we can let our requests be made known to him, but he didn't say anything about moaning and complaining. This is moaning and complaining. These folk moaning and complaining. Now, see, here's the reality. You don't know God well. 
I don't care what you tell me. Oh, I got saved in 1971. I filled with the Holy Ghost. I don't care how saved, sanctified, fire baptized you think you are. I don't care how, how much Bible-toting, Scripture-quoting, demon-chasing, hell-defying person you soul-winning, prayer intercession. I don't care what titles you put on yourself. If you are moaning and complaining to God, you don't know God the way you ought to. Because if you knew God the way you ought to, you would be saying, thank you, thank you, thank you. Why need thank you? I'll clean that up for some. You would be thanking more than moaning. You would be thanking more than complaining. You would be watching and waiting and anticipating what he was going to do and try to, instead of trying to, ahem, ahem, over here, God, just in case you don't know, I'm still broke. God, over here, God, just in case you don't know, my back's still hurting. Over here, God, just in case you don't understand, I've got a cough for a long, go, oh, oh well, God, I need to let you know that times are God unless you just don't know uh, I don't like uh, uh, the government uh, and, and how it's being run right God just in case you don't know my candidate didn't win God just in case you don't know I, I, whatever you're trying to teach God something what you're really doing is complaining what you're really doing is moaning well, and see this, this would be great you treat better we, we were talking about this my, my kids realized something. Then they've probably known it before, but we talked about it this week. I don't have birthday parties for my kids. Hallelujah. Well, I, I, I do stuff for them, but not on the, we don't invite the whole church to come to, a, and you don't worry, you ain't missing none of them because we ain't invited nobody to come to them. We do it, the three of us. Uh, we don't invite people to come over. And, and, and every time my kids get invited to a party, you know what? You got to, hey, and it ain't even a gift no more. It's that 20. Marcus is like, you better bet that. It's that 20 at least. If you love me at all, it's two 20s because you love a 50. Let's step up to 2019. Brother got bills to pay. Car insurance. About to go to college. This would be like you sitting there at your birthday party that your parents invited all their friends to. So they'd bring you money. You ever cut him off any of that, Marcus? You ever piece any of that back off to dad? Dad's friends come bring you money. Listen, I'm not mad at you about that, but it would be like you sitting there. Because I, I was talking to my kids, and they're like, you know, we go to these parties and we drop cash money off. When, when's cash money getting dropped off on me? I said, I pay, the, I, I, pay the, I pay the light bill, son. I keep the air running. That's good enough. Uh, but it would be like a person sitting there with guests that someone else invited for you, all lining up, handing you 20s and saying, I guess y'all don't realize, uh, you know, back screen door ain't working real good on my house. I don't think this is enough money. You're telling people who are blessing you in your hand uh, ab about your problems uh, while they're trying to do something good for you. You'd be like you telling somebody, oh, I guess y'all didn't know my, uh, mm. Only only 31 of y'all came. All of y'all averaged out $20 a piece. 
that, that's only $620. Uh, I guess y'all don't know uh, my car payment and my light bill is due. You would look, how ridiculous would you look frowning as they were stacking up 20, 40, 60, 100? To, my kids are going to be like, Dad, can we have that party now? Four, 300, 400. How ridiculous would you look sitting there frowning sad down in the mouth and somebody asks you, what's wrong? Well, uh, you know, you just, you, you just had a great party. All these people came. They loved on you, loved on your kids, loaded up all that money. Well, it just ain't enough. See, now some of y'all are feeling that. That mm, means how ungrateful. I'd t- hey, how many of y'all be like, give me my 20 back right now? I guess I'm going to take mine back. You're not going to be thankful for what you've been given because you're such a problem seer that you're so stuck in your bitterness and your negativity that you can't take one second off of your natural situation and give God praise for the blessings that are flowing right now. Oh, people always see problems because people see what's temporary. Well, Pastor, you don't know how hard it is uh, to, to, to not have stuff. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I, I've had to borrow money to buy a mattress because I was tired of sleeping on the floor and I couldn't sleep on the couch because I didn't have a couch. You, 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 you're seeing the finished product. I'm almost done. You, you see, you're, seeing the fin- you're seeing the finished product. I'm almost in heaven. You, you're not see- you don't know everybody's story and what they've been through. Quit thinking you got it worse than other people. You don't know how many people in this room have sold plasma just to be able to buy food for their children. You, 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 you can't celebrate God, though, because bitterness prevents celebration. Moaning and groaning prevents celebration. Focusing on the temporary prevents celebration. Oh, man. My son, Jake, he loves, I almost said the, the Patriots, he loves Tom Brady. Patriots are a byproduct in his mind. But one of the greatest documentaries that we've ever watched together, one of the greatest stories that we've ever watched together, sports-wise, was a piece that ESPN put together. And some of y'all are so mad right now. Y'all adjusted y'all's posture when I said the Patriots. Don't hate. Just because you, you, hey, if they beat you, come back and beat them. Don't, don't, don't be bitter. Be better. Get a real coach. Amen? Get a real quarterback. Do whatever you got to do. But it was a documentary they put together. The Patriots. They they were just getting the brakes beat off them. I mean, they were just losing. Who who, who was it? The Falcons? The Dirty Birds were just stomping on them. Hey, the Dirty Birds were celebrating. Whoa! Patriots going down. Patriots going down. And and if you were to look at the posture, see, you can look at, at, at athletes' posture on the sidelines, and you can almost always tell who was winning. You can look at the posture. I, oh, man. Y'all, y'all, y'all see the looks on that face? Y'all see that Mrs., uh, oh, who was it? Michigan State yesterday when they thought they when You could see the looks on their faces and know who lost and who won that game. That was funny to me. Final four. NCAA men's basketball, final four. Uh, uh, when I grew up, the Big East was the beast. When I, when I grew up, I mean, there, there were teams like Marquette were running stuff. When I grew up, Syracuse, the orange was just crushing you. Well, I mean, the, all those teams up north. I was looking at the Final Four, and I thought, well, ain't this something? 
three teams from the dirty south playing one team from Michigan. I wonder how that's going to work out. Well, keep watching. You see how it works out. But this documentary we're watching, and you can see the looks on those kids' faces until they knew they were going to lose. But when the Patriots were down by a bit, and, and all, all the reporters are like saying, well, it doesn't look good for the New England Patriots, Vern. Uh, no team's ever come back being down by this much in a Super Bowl. We might, this thing might be over. Well, that, they were thinking temporary. They were thinking natural. Let me tell you who had their eyes on something bigger. Uh, this, this boy named Julian Edelman. Julian Edelman. He's walking around, slap, he's a wide receiver. He's walking around slapping people on the back, telling them, it's going to make a heck of a story. I cleaned that up for you. It's going to make a heck of a story, boys. It's, and he just kept saying that. He was saying that in the huddle on offense. He was saying that it's going to make a heck of a story. He said that about 20 times, and they had it mic'd up. And they, now, why was this one person, him and Tom Brady, these two people were walking around telling, it ain't over. This is going to make a heck of a story. This is what they write the books about, y'all. This is, this is going to be one for the ages, y'all. You should have that in your mind. The reason why they were able to keep that eyes lifted up, the reason why they were able to be celebrating in the midst of what looked like a sure defeat is because they knew that they had done it before. They knew that they had come through before. They knew that Belichick and Brady wasn't going down to no dirty birds from ATL. And they, they knew what it felt like to be champions. Now, I want to tell you something. You got to get your mind off the temporary, and you got to get your mind on the eternal. Our God is the eternal God, and he, listen to me, always wins. If you're on God's team, you shouldn't be studying losing. If you're on God's team, you shouldn't be thinking about, woe is me. How am I ever? What I don't see. I don't see how I'm going to. Well, well stop, stop looking down and around and start looking up. Start celebrating. Start letting God know. God, if I die in the middle of all this debt, I thank God. God, that you prepared a place for me. If I die in all this pain, I thank you that there's no pain in heaven. If I die in depression, I thank you that there's joy on the other side. You got to get your eyes off the little stuff and get your eyes on. I'm trying to help somebody. You want to stay stuck in misery? You want to stay? You, you want to be hee-haw? Be hee-haw. Oh, y'all didn't grow up. Y'all didn't. My, my mama made me sit in her mama's house and watch Hee Haw every time it came on. And, and, and I, took, I took away a couple of things from Hee Haw. Uh, I hate that music. I took that away right off the bat. That's why I still, I can't, that's why I can't listen to Southern Gospel music. That's why I can't, Jesus sat on the mountain. Yes, he did. No, I can't listen to that. That just takes me back too far. The, 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 other, the other thing I, I, I took away uh, from, from, from Hee Haw was, was two dudes sitting there, one on a banjo, one on a guitar. This dude said, I'm a picking. And the other man said, and I'm a grinning. I think, he's laughing at you for picking your nose. That's all I'm thinking as a four-year-old boy looking at the television. Another thing I took away from Hee Haw was, man, if folk like to talk about food. They have Grandpa's Corner come on there. And, hey, Grandpa, 
What's for? Yeah. And he'd say, ridiculous stuff. Fried chicken and country rice, black-eyed peas that's twice as nice. I'm like, why is all your food got to rhyme, old man? Put it on the table. But then the hitter, the 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 pierce daily resistance, the 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 apex would come along. This disgusting song that was shoved down my neck from the earliest days I could walk. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have none. Y'all got that in ingra- You're singing it now. Stop singing that song. Stop singing that song. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. If it was up to you, you'd be dead in hell already. But God made a way out of no way. He sent a perfect Savior to redeem us. Man, they tell you, well, it's, 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 it's just not a lot around here, Lord. Don't see how we're going to make it, Lord. Stop seeing the temporary and stop seeing Start seeing God who's got it all in his hands. Verse 36, here's what they told him. <laughs> they got the solution. Here they are. They're going to boss Jesus around. I love church folk. Sometimes, not much, always. He said, send the crowds away so they can go to nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. Here we are. We got small-minded people using no vision talking to the creator who holds everything in his hands. We got small thinking people telling a real leader what needs to be done. We got small thinking bitter folk looking at a problem through natural eyes, not believing in the God who can do everything. They said, okay, obviously you don't understand it's a remote place. That's cool. We're from around here. Our family's been here forever. Well, we, you know, you say you're from heaven, so you you're probably not familiar with the geography. Uh, uh, you know, you 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 you, you we don't have watches, uh, but you know, we we're we're professional fishermen. We understand tides and and sunset and and, and gravitational pull. We understand the time frame. Maybe you don't understand the time. Uh, so let's go ahead, since you know we got all the ideas and all the answers. Here here's what you need to do, Lord. Stop telling the Lord what He needs to do. There are liars on TV preaching for profit. They're not prophets. They're, 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 they're preachers for profit. Uh, they're on TV telling people, you need to remind God of what he said. You need to remind God of his promise. You need to hold God accountable. You need to put God on the point and let him know that you said, listen, if you are so dumb that you think God don't know what he said, I want to introduce you to a God who knows everything today. You don't have to remind God of anything. We need to remind ourselves that we serve a God who is able. Amen? They said, well, since you probably don't know, God, let me, let me just help you out. Uh, here's what you should do. Now, we, we pretend like you're in charge. but we're, see, And this is what we do with our own lives. We tell, we tell everybody else, oh, God is in charge of my life. Well, if God's in charge of you, why are you scurrying for a solution? If God's in charge of you, why are you sweating the issue? If God's in charge of you, why are you freaking out over the process? Julian Edelman wasn't freaking out. 
Why? Because he'd stood on that stage before. Julian Edelman wasn't freaking out. Why? Because he knew some kind of way Belichick, the hoodie, was going to figure it out. He knew some kind of way he was playing for the, with the win in the Super Bowl quarterback. Yeah, he knew that, hey, this going to be a great story. He wasn't down in the mouth. He was celebrating. He wasn't walking around coming, coming up to Belichick saying, well, hoodie, here's what you need to do. Yeah, what, what you need to do is let me run the plays, let me call the plays. I tell you what, why don't you sit, talk, uh, what, was it Edelman or the other boy who played quarterback in college? Edelman played quarterback. Edelman didn't come up and say, oh, uh, by the way, Coach Belichick, uh, you know, Tom Brady ain't getting it done. We're losing. They're beating the brakes off us. He dirty birds are celebrating. They're stomping on us. They're flapping wings on us. Uh, maybe you should put me in. He wasn't trying to insert he into a, a conversation that should be about he. Okay, he was leaving the results up to, and he was celebrating, he was doing his part. These people come to the Lord, and they say, here's what you ought to do, God. Send the crowds away so they can go to nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. Don't that sound sweet? Don't that sound professional? Don't that sound well thought out? What it sounds to me like, these are natural people seeing problems with natural eyes, telling the supernatural God who already sees and knows everything and has the solution already figured out and in place, they're trying to put their two cents in while saying that Jesus is Lord. I'm going to tell you something. You want to put your two cents in, put them in the bucket. Leave the results up to God. You, you want to put your two cents in? You, you, you want to, you, well, God, in case you don't know, my bunions is acting up. Thank God you got feet. Now, this ain't the quote, but it came from this quote. Because I don't, I, don't, I don't remember exa- exactly, I think it was about a blind man, but because I said bunions, uh, th- this would have been an equally profound quote if it was said uh, it was a different malady, but it could equally be said, I felt bad about my bunions till I met a person with no feet. Mm. You understand that? You, you feel bad about your situation only because you think, woe is me, only because you've been sucking on that hee-haw straw too long. So they're going to tell Jesus, we got it figured out, Lord. We got it all figured out. Don't, don't strain yourself over there, God. Don't, don't work yourself into a fit. Don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to freak out. We got it figured out for you. See, this is, what, this is what people try to do. They try to get involved in the solution for the one who is the solution, and they tell God, here's what you should do. You ought to send all those people away. You ought to let them go up into the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. Let me tell you something. That is a good solution, but it's not a God solution. And you need to get to the place where you are no longer satisfied with good ideas, with good thinking, with good solutions, and you start longing for accepting, agreeing, and operating inside of God's solutions. Are you ready for that? So they, they give him this big solution because people always seek solutions that make sense to them. Doesn't that make sense to them? Sound like a good thing to do? People hungry? We, ain't no restaurants out here? We're out here in the middle of this nothing? Uh, send them somewhere where they can all get something to eat because people want solutions that make sense to them. But there's always a bigger picture because God's always at work. 
They, Jesus didn't have to think up an on-the-spot solution. See, if you ever realize God already knows where you are, you'll stop panicking about what, what should I do right now and, and realize God ain't going to panic about what I should do right now. He knew five billion years ago what the solution was. Do you believe that? But, but, but they, they always, they always want a solution that makes sense to them. You know why? Because the devil hates faith. Because the devil is our adversary. It's what the Scripture says. The devil hates God. He's opposed to God. The devil tried to rise up against God and take over because he thought he was as good as or better than God. And the devil does not agree with God's plan, and God's plan is faith. If you have to see it to accept it, you are not a faith person. I'm going to keep telling you till you hear it in your head when you start complaining in your mind that when you can't figure things out, you need to faith it out. You just need to know. I don't have to know. How are we going to feed all these people? Doesn't matter how we're going to feed all these people. Well, what are we going to do if, if, if it gets dark? Doesn't matter what's going to happen when it gets dark. Well, what about this big? What are we gonna, it doesn't matter. We don't have to understand it all. Listen, and when I say we, we, I'm talking about me and the 19 other faith people in the room. You might not be in that number. You might be in it, but I need to see. And I've had people tell me in my office and council say, well, I need to be able to see it for myself. Well, I recommend Buddhism. I, I, I recommend a cult. I, I, re, I recommend atheism. Because you obviously aren't accepting of Christianity. If you want to be accepting of Christianity, you're going to have to learn how to believe stuff you can't see. You're going to have to learn how to embrace stuff that don't make sense all the time. You're going to have to learn to trust the one you say that you trust. They're trying to come up with this whack, all great marketing promotion, uh, well-thought-out scientific theory of how to do God's business. They, they, didn't, they didn't recognize the bigger picture, say bigger picture. They didn't recognize that Jesus already knew and already had it solved because they did not understand this principle that I need you to understand today. Hear me well. God is always at work. God is always at work. Well, I don't see him working for me. God is always at work. He never slumbers. He doesn't sleep. He's always doing what he sees fit. You just, what, what, what you're really saying is, I don't like the way things are going. Well, you better start liking the one who's the goer. They come up with their own solution. Listen, listen to what Jesus said. Oh, man, this is so good. I wish I had more time. And Jesus said, you feed them. Put verse 37 on the screen. Jesus said, look at this, you feed them, period. There's your solution. What are we going to do with all these people? There ain't no food around here. What are we going to do about food? Uh, well, it's getting late. Maybe we should send them away. You feed them, period. I told you, always read between the punctuation. It's going to help your understanding. It's going to let you digest these things and get them in. There's problems for real. There's real problems going on there. It's getting late in the day. There's thousands and thousands of people there. There ain't no Wawa nowhere to be found. 
There ain't no Costco. There ain't no Quick Trip. There ain't no Circle K. There ain't no Little Champ or no Huntley Jiffy. I wish we had a Huntley. Don't you wish, Jimmy, we could just get one more Huntley Jiffy food store? Uh, there none of that existing. Y'all ain't been in Jacksonville long enough. Ask somebody. They, 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 they're looking for all these, for God to do all this stuff. They're telling God what to do. This is very much like us. God, I, all this is going on in my life. I know. He's up in heaven saying, I know. Would you be thankful? I know. Would you trust me? I know. I'm in charge. And then they come up with, uh, here's what you need. Jesus, you send them away. You tell them to go to villages and farms. You tell them to go find something to eat somewhere else. We're always looking for God to step in and do something. What did Jesus say? You feed them. And so because the Bible's a real and a great book, and I just love it with everything that's in me, <laughs> they, they asked the right question. They, now here they, they, they really snapped in. They're like, huh? With what? You feed them. And this is exactly what we get stuck doing today. God tells you, you need to do it. And your first response is, with what? Because you're trusting in your resources. You're trusting in your ability or your lack thereof. And, and they, so they ask, very, very, very normal, natural question, with what? And then they say, we'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. Do you see that they're still trusting and looking at natural things with natural eyes, trying to solve bigger problems with simple solutions? They're trying to look to see how they can do it when and in and of themselves when they're in the midst of the one who spoke everything into existence? Listen, I'm going to tell you something. You, you, you need to get, see, some of y'all didn't go, grow up going into bad places. Uh, when you go into bad places, I don't care how hardcore you are. I don't care if you're 10 foot tall and bulletproof. If you're going into a bad place by yourself, I don't care what you got strapped up. If you're going into a bad place by yourself, there's still that feeling on your neck. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's still that little, it could get bad in here real quick. It just, <laughs> uh, just, but if you're going into a place, where you have overwhelmingly outmatched your enemy. If you're going into a bad place where, where you got them outgunned, outmatched, beat down on every side, if there is only three of them and you and all, all they got is straws with wads of toilet paper shooting spitballs at you, and you're walking in there with real firepower and manpower, you, you walk in a different way. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You got to stop walking through life like a scared person thinking that spitball is going to knock you down. You need to realize, I come in the name of the Lord God. I come with God with me. Get that David spirit. David was smaller, and, and he, he, he couldn't even wear the armor. He didn't come with no fancy weaponry. Uh, that, and that, that giant looked at David and said, who is you? Oh, who are you? Uh, he's who are I, I had somebody tell me one time pastor you know we, we could keep some white people if you'd clean your grammar up <laughs> worry about yourself <laughs> that, that giant said who is you I'm out here trying to fight somebody y'all send me this little little nothing piece of nothing out here he told them I come in the name of the Lord God of Israel who you defy, and I'm going to have your head today. 
He came with all boldness and all swoleness. It wasn't in his power. It was in God's power. And if you start realizing, I got God on my side. I win in the end. I'm going to go ahead and strut my stuff and realize God is going to get me out. Jesus said, you feed them. They said, well, what? We don't have all that. You don't have to have it if you know who has it. You don't have to be it if you know who is it. You don't have to work it if you know how to praise the one who can work it. They said, man, uh, they, they, they really are shortchanging God. And, and, and this, this is offensive to God. But we do the same thing. They're, they're trying to explain to how hard their situation is. They're whining and moaning. You know why they wanted Jesus to send those people away? Because they didn't want to have to do any work. Keep these folk around here. He's going to ask us to set out chairs. Thin this crowd out for we have to. We got to, Who's going to clean up behind all this? Y'all know he ain't going to let us leave all this trash on this mountainside. We gonna have, the people are lazy. People are selfish. And people understand that their resources are limited. And you got to flip all that in your mind. you got to start looking up instead of looking around. They're still looking around and within when they should have been looking up at the one they were calling, Lord. They said, you want us to do it? No, man, it don't work like that. We ain't got that kind of money. You want us to do it? Mm, you got me twisted. My name's Bennett, and I ain't in it. Y'all, you want us to do it? That ain't, I didn't sign up for all that. I, I saw you healing people and feeding people. I, I, I'm, I'm just here for the party. Now, you want us to do it? Well, how are we going to do it? We'd have one, one version. This says we'd have to work for months. One version uh, says we would have to work for eight months and if you figure out the number of days that's exactly how long it would have to be uh because one one version said it would take 200 denarii a denarius was the daily pay of a rural worker and on six days a week it would take 200 working days which is eight months to put all that money together they're like hey man there ain't no way these people starve to death before we feed them and you laugh at that, but there are people in this room thinking that they're going to starve to death because they can't figure out how it's going to work. People in this room thinking they're going to die hurt, broke, disgusted, mad, upset, depressed because they can't figure out. Because, listen, it doesn't always make sense. That's where faith comes in. They said, oh, man, these people be dead. We, go eight, we need eight months worth of working every day just to try to feed these people. See, people don't always see that they're designed to be part of the solution. You're sitting back waiting on wondering when God's going to step in and fix things. God's already done his part. When are you going to step up and do yours? You're sitting back wondering when God's going to show up and, and help you. When are you going to get involved in being part of the solution? Well, I don't know what I can do. Can you at least celebrate in advance? That's faith. Can you at least thank him for what he's already done? That, that's common sense. Can you at least recognize that he is Abel, God wants us to get involved. He, he said, you, you, you go feed them. People don't always see what they're designed to be. People don't always see that they're designed to be part of the solution. I want you to get this. Get this. Some of y'all fading on me. You are part of the solution to your own problem. Okay? You are part of the solution to the world's problem. You are part of the solution 
that God has designed. If you weren't part of it, you wouldn't be here anymore. If God was done with you, you'd already be gone. They, they, they couldn't see that they were part of the solution. Why? Because they were lazy and they want God to do it, but they weren't even trusting him to do it. They were trying to tell him how to do it. You need to get on celebration mode. Verse 38, he said, well, how much do you have? Now, the most annoying restaurant I've ever been in is in Atlanta. Um, I can't even think of the name of that place right now. Some hamburger joint. Varsity Club. Not, not club, that's in Jacksonville. The Varsity. Anybody ever heard of the Varsity in Atlanta? It's a hamburger joint. Oh, uh, you want to talk about uh, just obnoxious. You walk into Varsity. Now, it's bad enough you, you walk into, uh, uh, what's the name of that place? Uh, Firehouse Subs. The four people working Firehouse Subs in Oak Leaf. You walk in the door. They, they, you ain't even got in the door good. Welcome to Firehouse! That's why I don't go there. I went to Moe's one time. I'm never going back. Welcome to Moe's! Hey, I don't know Moe. You know who y'all are? Man, if you go to the varsity in the dirty ATL, the first thing, and it ain't three, it ain't three teenagers at Firehouse Subs in Oak Leaf Towns that are screaming it at you. It's 35 grown folk behind that counter at the varsity in Atlanta, and they all scream out, what do you have? Right? I'm like, what kind of grand? What do you have? What do you have? And they've got that printed on shirts. What do you have? What do I have? I got bad back. I got sciatic. I mean, what are you talking about? What do I have? I got a gun in, 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 in my appendix carry right side. I mean, don't start none. It won't be none. Uh, what do you have? Uh, Jesus asked them. Sure, maybe they got that out of here. Jesus said, what do you have? How much bread y'all got? Could you imagine? There being thousands of people outside, and I'm like, all right, y'all going to have to feed these people. What do y'all got? Gum? Mints? Eggs? Well, see, that's today. That ain't normal. What I have, I got, you know, Tic Tacs? Got a, some of y'all real, real, real country. You, you got some of that leftover buffet you put in your purse last night. I'll tell you something. All you can eat crab legs don't mean your purse. If I said, hey, we got, we got to feed these, these, these thousands of people outside, what, 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 do you, what do you have? He'd be like, hey, don't look at me. How am I in it? Well, they were looking at Jesus. He's looking back at them. He said, go find out. Because they, they looked at him like he was crazy. He's like, go find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, this ain't loaves of bread like sunbeam, okay? This, this ain't 20 slices in a plastic bag. These, these are tiny little uh, individual size uh, pieces of cornbread, okay? Now you think, well, five loaves, you know, that's probably 100. No, these are individual five pieces of bread and, and two fish. This ain't like... My, my son, Seth tries crazy stuff, man. We went to this overpriced place in Ponte Vedra called Aqua Grill. He's like, Dad, can I get this whole fish head on? I'm like, yes, yeah, son, get whatever you want. When it came to the table, 
He's like, do I have to eat it? I'm like, no, man, I give you some of mine. They brought this thing. It was, it was on a plate this big. It was laying off both sides of the plate. And the head was still on it. I mean, it said it, right? I didn't, I didn't think about it that way. I mean, I take life head on. That don't mean I, you know, I think life's got a head on it. He's going to eat that whole fish head on. This thing was staring. So the one thing he did do is say, hey, can I eat the eyes? I said, I said you can try. He sure did try before he spit that out. Uh, did you get it down or did you spit it out? You ate it? He's like, I ate it. Okay, little man, you ate it. Uh, you didn't eat the rest of it. It wasn't one of them big old giant $100 fish. It was two small fish. And they're talking about feeding thousands of people with it. Now, you got to know, you do not believe right now that even God can meet all your needs with the little bit that you have. You don't believe it. You don't believe it because you are faithless. You don't believe it because you're looking in natural ways and you're not looking at God. You don't believe God can fix your marriage. You don't believe God can save the people you care about. You don't believe God can get you out of your situation. But here's the thing. You're really not going to like what God tells you. God, I need help in my fill in that blank. And you know what he's going to say? Go to work. You do it. You do it. See, he said that he would be with us. We just always want him to be for us. He said, I will go with you. We want him to go for us. And there are times he does go for us, but it's also times he goes with us. They're like, what do we have? Oh, okay, we searched the whole crowd. Here's what we come up with. Five pieces of bread and a couple of fish. What you got? And they're doubtful, just like there are people in this room. Oh, no, not me, Pastor Scott. I believe. Oh, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy. You ain't been happy since the 60s. We spend so much time wondering what God has to fix our issues. When he's, he asked it then, so he's asking it now. What do you have? What do you have that he can work with? You use what you got. He, he said we are his co-laborers. We're in this thing together. Stop looking at what God's going to do and start doing something with what you have to do. Verse 39 says, Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass, so they sat down in groups of 50 and 1,000. Now, the Bible's a specific book, and, and I love that about the Bible, but the Bible also leaves some things out. It doesn't say what the looks on their faces were. But could you imagine? Could you imagine? These, these 12 people, uh, he's like, all right, sit them down in groups. Thousands of people, what are you talking about? Sit them down in groups, just, just do this. No, he said, go sit them down in groups. And then he tells them, well, I can just imagine these people think, this, this is going to be a trip, man. I, I, and you know what? They were, I, I just believe this. I just believe this because I've been around people long enough. Do you think that after being told what to, Jesus said no to their idea. We ain't sending them away. Jesus said no to their strategy for ministry. He said, ah, they ain't going to farms and villages. Jesus said no to their concepts of how it should work. You feed them. He said, no, you feed them. Okay, now, I've been around church people a, a long time. Do you really think that these 12 disciples of Jesus were thinking this was going to work 
Or were you thinking they were thinking, oh, I can't wait to see what he does with this. Oh, pull the rabbit out your hat now, preacher. They were not thinking it was going to work. But they did what he said anyhow. Sometimes you need to obey even if your faith ain't all the way where it needs to be. You need to do the right thing because it's the right thing, even if you ain't all the way feeling it. And I promise you, these guys were not all the way feeling it. They were not all the way feeling it, but they did what they were told to do. He said, oh, t- go, go sit them people down in groups on the grass. So they sat down, so they sat down in groups of grass, 50 or 100. I, I, w- I want to tell you something. You better participate in his mission. What are you doing? What are you doing? Where are you serving God right now? Not where you used to, not where you're going to. Where are you serving him right now? Who's, who's, who's people are, who, who, who are the people of God that you're helping? Are you sitting the children down? Are you working in the youth? Are, are you involved in ladies' ministry? Are you involved in food and clothes? Are you involved in the praise man? Where, where are you participating? I'm just waiting on God. <laughs> you better get your feet moving. Waiting on someone is an active thing, not a sitting down thing. Waiters, professional waiters don't sit down. They stand there with that, with that picture. Well, I hate the ones that don't serve sweet tea. Stay, stay in the south where you can get real drink. Uh, you go up north, you don't matter how expensive the restaurant is. They got unsweet tea. And you get your tea mixed just right. And you go ahead and put that rat killer in it because it don't taste good without it. And the whole sugar just sit on the bottom. So you got to go ahead, pick it up, blew it up, and, and, and you, you take two sips out of it. And guess what a real waiter does? Don't wait on me so much. I'm telling you this, God has never. I had to finally eye the emeralds one time. Y'all remember emeralds? Bam! That, that loud chef from New Orleans. I ate the emeralds one time, and I, I finally had to tell the dude, hey, bro, please stop putting tea in my glass every time this much is gone because I had it mixed up just how I wanted to have it. I'll signal you. Listen, you, you don't have to call on somebody who's really waiting on you. You don't have to wonder where they are. God had never had to tell. I had never met one child of God that God ever had to tell, stop waiting on me so aggressively. Where are you participating? He lets us participate. He demands that we participate. But then he steps in. Look at verse 41. I'm almost done. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up to heaven, blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. All, he also divided the fish for everyone to share. Listen to the system. Say system. He takes what we have. He commands that we participate in what's going on. He, he blesses it, he breaks it, and then he uses it to do the miraculous. He takes what we have if we participate. Then he blesses it, he breaks it, and then he does miracles with it. It's the exact same system we saw again at the Last Supper. They had to eat. It was a ceremonial meal. They had to eat. It was Passover. They had to eat. They, they were preparing themselves uh, for, for Passover. They were preparing themselves for his departure. He knew he had one last time. He said, this is the last time I'm going to eat with you in this, in this life. And, but he, if you read what he did, he took the bread. He blessed it. He broke it. And then he did something miraculous with it. Our God never changes. Listen to the result, verse 42. They all ate as much as they wanted. 
They all ate as much as they wanted. They all ate everything that they wanted. They all had it. They, they ate it. Think of what the disciples must have been thinking. It's still working. It's still working. You know, if, 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 you, if we would have told, if somebody working on our food and clothing ministry, now probably not the current group we got because the current group we got is the best group we've ever had and doing more than we've ever done. Um, but if we would have told some people uh, years ago, uh, you know, from 10 to 12, uh, we, we're going to have a year like, two, like we just had in 2018 where we're going to feed 33,000 people out of this one room in, in 12 months where we're going to give away over 34,000 pieces of clothes in 2018. We, we're not trying to do that. We've already done that. If we'd have some people sitting back in the day thinking, mm, I just don't see it. Mm, I just, I'm, it don't make no sense to me. I can't, I, they say that. Hey, where 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 we gonna go come up with thirty four thousand pieces of clothes in, in twelve months? How are we gonna cycle that many people through? Uh, the parking lot ain't big enough to house all those people from ten to twelve. We couldn't give away that much clothes if we was open five days a week, fifteen hours, and just on and on and negative, negative, negative. Looking at the problem, looking at the problem, looking at the problem, not realizing that God will take whatever we have. A, a busted up parking lot in an old abandoned building and feed thousands and thousands, listen, and have eggs left over. <laughs> Verse 43 says, afterwards the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread. They finished with more than they started. And I want to tell you something. If you'll get involved in your process with something other than complaining, if you'll get involved in your process with something other than moaning and whining, if you'll get involved in your process and let God take what you have and you do what he tells you to do, you will have leftover too. If you don't have leftover, you ain't, in, you ain't doing something right. If you don't have leftover, then you're doing something wrong. They, when, when God, hey, listen, our God is a God of more than enough. Uh, verse 44 says a total of 5,000 men and their families were fed from those loaves. I told you all, quit calling this. Go back to that. Go back to that. I quit calling this the feeding of the 5,000. Read the Bible. The Bible says a total of 5,000 men and their families. Now, if you got five, now don't, don't think about today's world. Men were still in the family back then. That's a different message for a different time. But, but back when men were in the family, if the man was there, he's one. Their families is more than one. Because the family, the man would have to have a what? That's right. Because the man couldn't have a man and have children. That's why God created Adam and Eve and not Adam and Steve. Go ahead, and put all, go ahead and put the whole LGBTQ, F, Z, Y, L, G, and H community on an island together. We won't have to worry about what to do with them in about 70 years. Can't make families. You keep moving. Say, oh, I'm mad now. Got to be a wife. Wasn't no shack up. You couldn't have been in a public gathering with your shack up in, in, in 30 A.D. You'd have been excommunicated and ostracized. This wasn't in, this wasn't my, 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 my baby mama, my baby daddy. Eh, no, these were families. This was a husband, a wife, and listen, they're children. So if the men made up 5,000, 
So if you got if you if you got five thousand men and and they got wives, how many wives you got? If, if you have children, at least how many kids do each one of them couples got? Okay. So you got five thousand men. You got five thousand women. You got ten thousand children on the minimum. How what are we up to now? You ain't never heard nobody talk about Jesus fed the twenty thousand. Didn't he feed the twenty thousand? But didn't he feed the 5,000? Men and, what am, what am I telling you? We serve a God who is the God of more than enough. Put that on the screen. He's the, do you believe he's the God of more than enough? Let me tell you what five of y'all just said in y'all's mind. For other people. Works for other people. Well, if you start believing, if you start participating, if you start serving, if you'll start doing what he told you to do, he'll be the God of more than enough for you too. We're worried at stuff because we're looking with our natural eyes. We're worried at stuff because we're looking at the problems uh, without considering the solution. Because here's what he does. And this is, this is the system and I'm, I'm done. He takes it. He blesses it. He breaks it. And he uses it to do the miraculous for his glory. Listen, God doesn't want to bless others from your hands as much as he wants to bless others through your hands. If, 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 if you're blessed from my hand, my hand can only do so much. But if you're blessed by God through my hands, God's going to keep, keep, keep dividing it, keep dividing it, keep dividing it, and there's always going to be more than enough. God needs to always get the credit, but you can't give God the credit if all you're doing is looking at the problem. Here's the problem. Most people want to be blessed without being broken. It's not his system. Well, why can't he just give it all to me without breaking me? It's his world. He gets to do what he wants to do. He's God all by himself. He takes counsel from no one. Well, why do I always have to be the one that gets broken? Because you ain't passed the test yet. Because you, you, you let him bless you. Everybody in this room has been blessed. Whether you saved or lost, you've been blessed. You've been blessed with oxygen that you did not provide. You, you've been blessed to live on a planet. You know, if, if we were any closer to the sun, we'd burn up. If we were any, any further away from the sun, we'd freeze to death. You've been blessed by, by, by being on the right planet. We've all been blessed, but let me ask you this. Have you been broken? Now, some of y'all, the same five of y'all said the same thing last time. You just said, I'm, I'm broken now. If you're broken and not participating, you'll stay broken. If you're broken and not obeying, you'll stay broken. If you're broken and not doing what he said, you will stay broken. But if you will begin to turn around those things that you must do. I just don't understand why God ain't fixed me. I just don't know what, but God has forsaken me. Trust me, if God had forsaken you, you wouldn't be here. been blessed but have you been broken and in your brokenness did you honor and obey did you participate and serve did you do exactly what he told you to do now the honest answer is going to be for all of us at some point no so the great news I have for you today is you're still breathing you're still breathing you're still blessed you may still be broken 
but the story doesn't have to end there. If this, this, one of the smallest wide receivers in the NFL could be getting beat the worst anybody ever did, getting beat in a Super Bowl that came back in one, could have faith to walk around and say, "Don't make a great story. They're going to write books about this, y'all. We're part of something big. We're part of something big. We're part of something big. And then Tom Brady just let him peek in a little on the inside of that Superman. Belichick put together a plan, and they won. If that can happen in the natural, by people with names that we, we, we've seen on TV, how much more can the God of all the universe do? you got to start believing this is a great story. The story of your life is a great story. The story that you're living is a great story. It might be filled with brokenness. It might be filled with, with non-solutions. It might be filled with problems so big that you can't, you just wish everybody go to the farm and the village. But God, you get God in this thing. If you become what you were designed to become at the point you got saved, a co-laborer with God. We work together with God. This is the message of the Bible. This is the message of Christ. This is the message of the apostles. We work together with God. When are you going to start working with God on your own solution? When are you going to start participating in your own story? When are you going to start celebrating? I know how this ends. I know how this ends. You go to a movie with somebody. Uh, my, 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 Jake hates spoiler alerts. I don't care. Tell me whatever you want to tell me. They all in the same way on movies. But if, if you're sitting there in a movie and you've already seen the end, you've already seen the whole movie, that one part where, 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 where everything starts to slow down and the music gets all eerie, you just go ahead and lean back further in your seat because you know that whole theater is about to jump. But you know what's coming. You're not scared. You're not freaking out. You're not wondering, which one of them, which one of them kills double? You know everything about that movie because you know how it ends. Let me ask you this. Do you know how your story ends? Do you know how your story ends? If you don't know how your story ends, you need to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior so you can get on, listen, the winning team. So you can get on the side that wins. So you can get on the side that finishes in glory. Who's worried about how your story ends? Stop doing that and start trusting. Start, stop doing that and start participating. Stop doing that and start obeying him and doing what he's called you to do. Because, yeah, he wants to bless you and he wants to do the miraculous in and through you. But there's a breaking. And there's an honoring him during the breaking that has to happen to get to the other side. See, between every promise and the promised land, there is a wilderness journey that must be traveled. Between every promise and every entry in, into the manifestation of it all, there's a journey that has to be traveled. Archaeologists and theologians have told us the 40 years that the Hebrews wandered in the wilderness, if they would have just went in a straight line, would have took them 11 days. 
They could have completed their journey in 11 days. But it took them 40 years and they all died never getting there except Caleb and Joshua. Why? Because they had been blessed. They had been broken. But they were so bitter about their brokenness, they never stepped into obedience and participation. So where are you at? Lord, I need you to do this for me. You do it. What do you have? What do you have? Nothing. That's not true. You have a life. And God uses broken people to do amazing things. Let him put his glory in your story. He won't put his glory in your story as long as you're complaining about it. No. He won't put his glory in your story as long as you're bitter about it. You hear the cliches. When brokenness comes, you can let it make you bitter or you can let it make you better. When are you going to get tired of your bitterness? When are you going to start believing that, yes, he does give beauty for ashes, strength for fear, gladness for mourning, peace for despair? When are you going to start believing that he does have glory for your story? But you don't know how bad it is. Oh, you're going to educate God? He sees everything. He knows everything. He's more than able, and he'll give you more than enough. You got to trust him. You got to say, I'll serve you right here, right now. Those disciples didn't have no idea what, what was going on. Five fishes, uh, uh, five loaves of bread and two fish. Boy, they they, they could have sat back and said, I ain't even going to try. There's no sense in trying. And some of y'all been stuck on no sense in trying so long that you just need to go ahead and say, I'm throwing away my natural vision today and I'm grabbing some Holy Ghost vision. There's no way they could see how that was going to work out, but they did it anyhow. They participated and they obeyed. And the miraculous happened. And oh, what a story. We're still talking about that story over 2,000 years later. We're still talking about that story. And, and if, you, if you see it right, you understand that the big piece of that story, even though Jesus told them, you feed them, the big piece of that story, even though Jesus didn't go gather the fish or the bread, the big piece of that story, even though Jesus wasn't the one that set them down in 50s and groups of 100, the big piece of that story, even, even though Jesus wasn't the one that gathered up all the 12 leftover baskets, the big piece of that story was God. But the system's in place. The pattern's in place. The blessing is sure. The breaking, we know well. The miraculous, most people have never stepped into. And the reason why is because lack of obedience and lack of participation in your process. Can you trust him enough to serve him in your brokenness? Can you trust him enough to serve him? I had so many people tell me uh, when, when, when bad things have happened in my life. Well, Pastor Scott, uh, may, 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 maybe you just ought to take some time. You, maybe you just ought to take some time. I want to tell you, I'm a living witness. God can use you in your brokenness. God can heal you in your process, in your participation. God, God can use you just where you are if you will participate in this story and if you will obey the one who can put his glory in your story. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you for faith.
said that faith is your gift to us. Thank you for giving us the ability to believe you, God. I pray you'd forgive us for not participating in the story, for not obeying you in our brokenness. God, I pray that you would give us fresh vision, fresh hope for today. Give us desire to participate in our story for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast and visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.